Body Bags with Joseph Scott Morgan. In death investigation, I've been there to try to make sense at many scenes about what the catalyst was that started the wheels in motion. When you think about bodies being torn to ribbons and you only have a remnant left behind many times. Sometimes bodies are intact, but many times we show up at scenes and all you're left with this evidence of horror. Today, we're going to talk about a gentleman who was previously married to a lady by the name of Devin Michaels. To make matters even more interesting, this woman is now married to this gentleman's son. This gentleman, Jonathan Willett, and he was literally butchered. I'm Joseph Scott Morgan, and this is Body Bags. So you're a young cop. You walk into a room, and probably the first thing that you're expecting to see if you've been called out on a death is a dead body. Sometimes your senses are hit with the odor of decomposition. Many times you smell things before you see them. This does happen. But in today's case, you're hit with a smell that is not decompositional, but you're actually hit with a very strong chemical odor. And when you do finally see the body, you see smoke, what they define or call smoke, emanating from these remains. It's a real conundrum. As a parent, I can't imagine anything worse than finding your child dead. But what Willett's mother found was his body. There's no head. We don't know where the head is. Even as we do this show today, we still don't know. That's why we're doing the show Body Bags today on wonderful Devin Michaels and the relationship she had with her husband and her baby daddy husband. And her husband actually was the baby of the daddy that she's married. Well, you get the picture. Yeah, it's, it's almost like you need a a lineup card or maybe a playbill to keep up. It's uh, when I first came across this case, I was dumbfounded because I couldn't make sense of what uh, I think sociologists like to refer to as the familial dynamic. Don't you love that academic turn? I hope that you're impressed. And you think about this dynamic that was going on in this household. And it's to say that it is strange is would be an understatement. But what we do know, as you mentioned, this poor gentleman's mother, and no, I, I can't frame this in any other way. I can't make sense of it. When she comes into the bedroom there before her lays only who she can assume is her son wrapped in a blanket. And then you try to roust him out of bed. You shake him, perhaps, as maybe your mama shook you, my mama shook me. Wake up, get ready. He's 46 years old at this point. And there she is attempting to wake him up. But there's something odd about the shape of his body. Because even if you have a body that is covered or obscured by some kind of covering, there's still enough within us where we recognize form and function that you can automatically see, I think, if you're not looking through the mother's eyes, there's something wrong here. And what would be wrong is that this gentleman is actually absent ahead. It's not going to look right. No, it's not. It will be certainly bizarre. 
to try to pick up on this and try to understand it. And how do you make sense of this as a mom? I'm glad you brought that up because the mom is going to call 911 and she's going to have to explain the dynamic here. Devin Michaels, 45-year-old suspect, female. Jonathan Willett is 46. He is the victim. He is the headless man now in the bed. And by the way, chemical smell and fumes seen coming from his body. His mom, Mr. Willett's mother, has to explain to 911 what she has just seen. And she doesn't really know because, again, there is no head. She doesn't know what she's actually seen. She just knows that it's not good. Devin Michaels is married to Jonathan Willett, the victim, married to his adult son. And all we hear about from this standpoint is that it was a marriage of convenience to help with some medical issues that Devin Michaels has. I don't know what these medical issues are, but that was the reason given for why, even though she has been in a married relationship with Jonathan Willett, the victim, she married the victim's son. Jonathan Willett and Devin Michaels have two children together. Jonathan Willett's mother is dealing with her son, her grandson, and her grandson is married to her son's wife. And there are two children in here that are either children, grandchildren, great-grandchildren, or aunt, uncle, cousins. I'm not sure. That's what we've got going on. Yeah. And let me ask one more thing. And I know that you're not necessarily going to have the answer to this, but the authorities are saying that she was married to him or that she's married to the son, but yet she is in a marriage-like relationship with the victim. So on top of this, are all three parties married, have a matrimonial relationship in the sense of law, and is she a bigamist? I'm thinking about why would she have perpetrated such a horrific crime that the authorities at this point in time are pointing at her as the primary culprit here. And you think about this dynamic that's going on, being involved with the husband's son in a matrimonial relationship. Was it just too much to take? And you think about, well, it's for the convenience of medical condition. Well, yeah, I mean, maybe she was underinsured or had no insurance. And vis-a-vis the victim, she had insurance being able to cover whatever this issue was. But you got to admit, just give me this. There are a myriad of other rationales that could come into play here that could be the motivating factor. And there's some kind of sinister stuff that she's told the police was the rationale for her taking his life, I believe. I'm Joseph Scott Morgan, and a big shout out to Astapro for sponsoring this episode and providing free samples. I live in an area where allergies are a day-to-day issue, and finding an over-the-counter option for relief is like the holy grail. I use Astapro, and I strongly recommend you give it a try. Astapro is a first-of-its-kind nasal allergy spray, and it's the fastest 24-hour over-the-counter allergy spray. It starts working in 30 minutes, while other allergy sprays can take hours. Astapro is the first and only 24-hour steroid-free allergy spray. Astapro delivers full prescription strength indoor and outdoor allergy relief from nasal congestion, runny and itchy nose, and sneezing. 
Get fast-acting nasal allergy symptom relief with Astapro. Go to astaproallergy.com for a discount so you can Astapro and go today. A-S-T-E-P-R-O allergy.com. Astapro and go. Use as directed for relief of nasal congestion, runny nose, sneezing, and itchy nose due to allergies. This show is sponsored by BetterHelp. Years ago, when I got out of my field full-time, I was diagnosed with PTSD. I had sleep disorder. I had depression. And for me, I had to turn to someone to talk to somebody that could aid me along the path to healing, to restore me to that person that maybe I was at one point in time, to make me better for not just myself, but my family. If you're thinking about therapy, give BetterHelp a try. It's entirely online. It's designed to be convenient, flexible, and suited to your schedule. You can do this anytime that you like. Get it off your chest with BetterHelp. Visit BetterHelp.com bags today to get 10% off your first month. That's BetterHelp.com. That's Better, H-E-L-P.com slash bags sick of being upsold at gyms my guy you're currently a base member for 90 dollars more i can upgrade you to our shred membership for 130 more you'll be a swole member and for just 300 dollars more you'll reach sweat platinum at planet fitness you'll get energy without the upsell never pushy always free fitness training and equipment for every workout it's fitness that fits your budget Join Planet Fitness for just $1 down and $10 a month. Cancel anytime. Deal ends Friday, May 10th. See Home Club for details. Over the course of my career, particularly in academia, I've had students that have taken my medical legal death investigation course. And they have asked me, have I ever seen anything supernatural happen? And I tell them, No. And it's always a shock to them. I think that they think that just because I'm around the dead, have been around the dead all of my adult life, that I'm somehow haunted. And no, I'm more haunted by the living than I ever have been by the dead. I can assure you of that. You mentioned kind of sitting up with the dead. I will tell you very quickly, I worked for a funeral home when I was in my first years of radio because I didn't make enough money. So I actually drove caskets around and stuff like that to make extra money so I could eat. And one night I had to sit up with the dead because you can't leave a body in a funeral home that is not guarded. There has to be somebody in there in case there's a fire. You got the bad, the body's the only thing that matters. Nothing else matters. Burn it all down. I didn't know that, but I was in there and they'd had a visitation, had a lot of people show up in the body that was in the casket while his hair got a little mussed up. And they were like, can you fix that for tomorrow? Got an early visitation with the family, just family, very private, very early. Would you take care of this, Dave? Well, the dude was wearing a pinstripe suit, Joe. You know what that means. The optical illusion. You find it on television sets all the time when people wear certain things and your eyes play tricks on you. You look at a dead body wearing a pinstripe suit and that body will go. The breathing begins. They will breathe. I saw it with my own two eyes. I know I saw it. And back then we didn't have cell phones. I had a corded phone. It had a rotary dial. I took that cord as far as I could to get away from that body. I'm hanging out the front door. I'm calling the uh, funeral home director. Dude, you got to get I'm out. I'm leaving. And he did everything he could to calm me down. He explained, I saw it. He's breathing, man. You got a live guy in the box. But it, it didn't happen, though. And that's not the reality. And look, if that man could have sat up at that point in time, listen, first off, you wouldn't be talking to me. You'd be a very wealthy man. This is what I do know. I've never had the dead speak to me. 
And the one thing I can confirm to you scientifically is that the dead cannot make excuses. They cannot offer up solutions. They cannot bear testimony on their behalf. Now, the police show up, Joe, and, and they're because mom calls and we got a mess on our hands and the police show up. Do they make the call immediately? We know this. We don't have to worry about this crime scene and we don't want anybody else here. The, the dead body is here with no head. So we know we got to deal with this. This is the elephant in the room. Do they call you immediately and say, can you you need to get over here now? What do the police do first things when you find a body with no head and you've got suspects? Yeah. In a case like this, even if the M.E., the coroner, if we don't make immediate entry in most jurisdictions that I worked in, I had a very good rapport with the police department. I was the one constant in the universe. There would be investigators that would come and go and would move on to new jobs, but I would always be there. It was my job. That's what I, and I had a lot of young investigators for the police that would say, hey, what do I do now? And so I would be there on their shoulder. The older guys, uh, sometimes they would wait, hold me back, and then I would come in and do my thing. But in a case like this, particularly when you are absent a significant element of the body ahead in this case, I would be there ready to rock and roll and ready to look for any evidence that I could to try to track down the head. I can tell you another thing that they would probably do in a case like this. And I don't know that they did. This was actually, it's adjacent to Vegas. It's actually in Henderson for people that are, that are curious. I don't know if the Henderson police actually called out a dog, but a dog would give you an idea to be able to track this down. If they have a sample of blood, which they would in this particular case, heads are very bloody. They're very bloody things because they are, this is what's so fascinating. We don't know a lot about this at this point. The head is the most vascular area of the human body. So you have the most blood flow that is going to the head because the brain requires so much. So even in death or even in a decapitation, there will be blood draining, gravitational draining out of that opening in the neck. You've got a, a head that is severed away from the body. I cannot imagine under any circumstances that if his head was removed at that site, that you would not at least have passive droplets of dynamic blood flow that are like dripping on the floor everywhere you go, unless you have a catch basin. Did, did this person think about that? And I know it's horrible, but for me, as a forensics guy, if I have no blood there, there's a couple of things that I'm considering. If I have a body that has been decapitated, I want to know, first off, was this individual decapitated there? Was the blood drained from their body prior to arrival at this location where they're deposited? And if they were killed there, where the heck is the blood? Because I would expect there to be copious amounts of blood, not just in the area where the head was removed, saying that it's removed on a bed, the mattress and the bed clothes and everything would be super saturated. But you would have, Dave, a trail of blood leading away. Even if you try to wrap it in towels, you would still have that happen. And of course, I would look for any drains that were nearby, anything, a sink, an outdoor spigot with a drain that leads down the ground in the bathroom, looking at the bathroom sink, the toilet, the tub, just to see if people are trying to clean up. It's a creepy kind of thing as an investigator. When you kind of step back and you think about it, you think, I've got to put myself into the mindset of someone that has just killed and decapitated someone. And you let that sink in. And now that, you know, I'm older 
when I talk to my students, you know, I'll have my students and I'll talk to them about a case like this and they'll sit back and their eyes kind of open up, you know, and they're thinking, oh my God, I'm in the room with a monster. <laughs> but, you know, for a moment, you have to translate yourself into that environment. And as these investigators begin to process the scene, that's one of the things that they're thinking about. To cut a head off the victim here, they're going to have to already be dead, I would think. You're not going to be able to cut somebody's head off if they're alive, right? Unless it's a really, I mean, like a guillotine. I'm not, you know, I'm talking about just... Right, a guillotine. And, and there are execution cases from antiquity. If for a case like this, where a body is, in fact, decapitated, and there's any number of ways that decapitations can, can happen, certainly uh, swords from antiquity, and there are traumatic decapitations, and you see them believe it or not, uh, with great frequency in motor vehicle accidents. It, it happens with some frequency in those cases. But in this particular case, you would have had to have had someone, first off, that would have had the will to do this. And it, it doesn't take a lot of skill in order to do it. But you do, as in this case, have to have someone that is compliant. And when you're talking about an alleged female perpetrator and a grown man, there's no doubt in my mind that he was already deceased when that head came off. Dave Mack, I don't know if it is just the subject matter that you and I talk about or if it is a, a real thing, but it seems to me, and I think I've said this on other episodes, and I will continue to say it because it keeps slapping me, the reality keeps slapping me in my face. It seems to me that we are encountering more and more cases with either decapitations or dismemberments. It seems like we've covered so many of these things over the past few months. It's amazing to me. It takes a almost an iron will in order to facilitate this, and it's almost like people are desensitized to it. I don't know if that's the case, if we are desensitized, and there are just more of them happening because of that. I just remember when you and I were kids, and uh, whenever somebody did something crazy, it was uh, if it was a teenager, it was because of TV, and then it was Dungeons and & Dragons, and then it was this, and video games. And rock and roll. Yeah. Oh, I forgot about those guys. So I think there's always something, but I don't know if it's where there is more happening in terms of people being dismembered or if we just hear about it now because there is a 24-hour news cycle that has to be filled with information and crime is a big one. But I do think it's worthy of some real statistical help from college professors that could make uh, students do a project. I'm not suggesting a class project for your class, but I think you could do some independent study where they go off on their own and study. And you, if you need me, call me at the house. I got a cup of coffee. Yeah, light bulbs are going off. So anyway, I don't know if it's happening more, but I do know this, Joe. I have been putting more and more of these shows together. And as I have said many times, if anything were to happen to a loved one of mine and the police came and looked at books and videos and the shows that I do, they probably won't even bother asking me any questions. They'll just go cuff him back of the car. I don't know about Devin Michaels and uh, Jonathan Willett. I don't know about their relationship, but I do know that somehow, some way, his 46-year-old body ended up without a head, and she is arrested and charged with the crime of murder. But my question still comes back to, what are they actually seeing on the body? We've got it from the police report. Henderson police wrote that his head was severed and was not located at the scene, which means 
there's got to be some really serious pre-planning that that body and head were separated and they're not seeing, as you mentioned in the last segment about blood everywhere, they don't see a trail of blood leading to wherever this head is. Or at least they're not saying it at this point in time. Yeah. Or they're not seeing blood from the body coming in, the head being left out somewhere else. But beyond that, the police are noting there was a chemical smell, a chemical smell and fumes could be seen coming from his body. What are they talking about, Joe? Have you ever had this happen? Do you know what this is? Yeah, actually, I have because I cleaned a lot of morgues over the course of my career. And there are certain chemical combinations that you do not want to be near. I've actually commingled substances in the morgue where I had to get out of the morgue and leave. Uh, matter of fact, I, I ran a forensic pathologist out of the morgue one time when I was attempting to clean up a, a big mess of blood that we had. And it, it was quite noxious. But what they're saying, uh, Dave, is that there was a strong, now get this, there was a strong smell, ammonia and bleach. That combination in of itself, now hold on to your hat, that is actually a combination that can wind up producing chlorine gas, which is actually an anti-personnel gas that was used in World War One, and it's still used in the Middle East in certain places. It irritates the eyes. It causes hemorrhagic reactions in the lungs. When they are commingled like that in the right order and the right amounts, it can really wind up creating this lethal event. That's why when you are a an investigator and you walk onto a scene, I always keep in mind that someone has just died here and they probably had more value on the person's life that died than they would on mine as an investigator coming in. I always assume that every environment is, is deadly. And if you walk into this environment, the first thing you should do, if you smell this and they didn't just smell it, Dave, the police described this as what appeared to be smoke coming from the body. And one of the things that happens when you get these commingled substances is that they begin to kind of bubble up. It's like a bad chemistry experiment. It's gone awry. And they don't really comment any further about this. This is the type of thing that you would need to call the fire department out there. This is dangerous stuff. And the police officers are walking into this environment. So not only are they contending with a headless remain, a mother who's grieving, but they're also contending with the fact that there's some kind of noxious odor in the air. And listen, anybody in the sound of my voice that's ever come in contact with ammonia, you know, it's the same thing they make smelling salts out of to wake you up. There's a reason it does. It's horrible. It's absolutely horrible, but it's used in cleaning. You combine that with bleach. So it begs the question, why would a headless body, and remember, we were talking about blood earlier, why would a headless body being obscured by bed clothing why would it be emanating smoke and this odor? When I think about this, I begin to think about, was there an attempt to clean up? That jumps to mind first. And what do you associate with really getting things clean? Well, ammonia, certainly. People think that bleach just makes everything disappear and vanish. When you think about that, okay, well, they're starting to put two and two together. Were there containers of bleach and ammonia around there? Was there an attempt to clean up? Had she been in this, the accused, had she been in the room with the body long enough so that 
if there was blood there, maybe there were scrub brushes as well, or maybe there were rags. Maybe there was a garbage pail there, or just maybe every evidence of cleaning up left along with the head in the same bag. Now, that in and of itself is quite the conundrum because all you have to do is drive down the road. You find a garbage. a matter of fact, I think my garbage bin is still sitting out by the road because I didn't take it in and we just had trash pickup. But think about that. If there's a garbage bin sitting out by the road, you could tie this thing off, drop it in a garbage bin, and the garbage guys are going to come by and pick it up and no one will be any the wiser. I don't know that they will ever find this poor man's head. And that's that's problematic for them because this is the thing. She apparently admits, Dave, that by virtue of some of the things that he had said to her that had kind of a sexual connotation, she took a stick and hit him in the head. This accused is actually stating that she did this in order to knock him out in order to, I can't remember, in order to make sure the children were okay or that she was okay or. Okay. At first I didn't do it. I don't know what you're talking about. He was supposed to move in with me, but he didn't. He's upstairs in his own bed. I don't know what you're talking about. Then it was, well, wait a minute. Yeah, I was in there with him and uh, he did want me to perform a sex act. I didn't want to do it. So I popped him on the head. And then during the interviews, because they are experts at this, is it possible, Devin, that you maybe just spitballing here? Maybe you hit him a little harder than you thought. Maybe. I mean, is that possible? The minute she says, well, yeah, that's possible. She basically admitted I killed him. But the thing is, Joe, we still have a body with fumes, chemicals and no head. We know one thing that mom who found the body also can't find her meat cleaver. What is it like for somebody who is not a doctor to cut through bone, muscle, send you all the stuff in your neck. I'm assuming that's where you're going to go. Yeah. And that is where you're going to go. And remember a meat cleaver, the configuration of it traditionally has been made with a very heavy spine on it. And the spine of the meat cleaver is meant to transfer that energy from that weight of the spine down into the fine blade, which is more narrow. And of course, the sharper the blade, the more effective it is. Meat cleavers, like axes, though they do have a leading sharp edge on them, do not make clean cuts unless they are honed to a surgical edge and you have sufficient strength. You have to have energy in order to drive it down onto the object that you're trying to split in two, in this case with a neck. And she's going to have to go through vertebral bodies. And it's easy for somebody to say, oh, well, she would just go in between the vertebral bodies. Really? That's like hitting, that's like saying, okay, I'm going to hit a 100 mile per hour fastball and I'm taking over the left field fence. I'm going to pull it down the line. You might say that you're going to do that, but you're not going to do it. The idea that you could actually swing a meat cleaver with sufficient energy to take a head off in one fail swoop or maybe even two is complete fantasy. You're going to strike, you're going to miss strike, and you're strike multiple times. Even butchers, when you see them butcher meat with a meat cleaver, they're striking that multiple times. Now, if the blade is sharp enough, they can drive through the meat itself. But even butchers, even butchers have bone saws. There's a reason they do that. So just because you swing it doesn't mean that you're going to hit the disc that actually separates the spinal vertebral bodies. That's a, it's not a one in a million shot, but it's hard, particularly because 
the back of the neck is covered in soft tissue. You can't appreciate the skeletal structure beneath the neck. You're just wildly swinging at this point in time. So when you would examine these injuries, the skin itself will have a very jagged edge to it more than likely. The muscle just beneath will certainly be ragged to a great degree. And also the bone. Once, let's say that just that that bone, if she went between, you have the cervical vertebral bodies. So if you think about C1 is what's referred to as the atlas. It's like the god atlas holding the earth up, that classic image that we've seen in antiquity, C1, C2, C3, C4, C5, C6. And so you get down to like the C4 area, C5, that's kind of exposed. So as you strike it, more than likely, you're going to have a strike that's not going to go all the way through. What's it going to strike? Well, it's going to strike tissue, bone, any kind of sinew, and it's also going to strike the vertebral body, and it will leave a mark there. Now, the head, there's a high probability that that head, even at this point, still has attached vertebral bodies to it, which could be examined by a tool mark expert if they find it. What is left behind will also have marks as well that will have tool marks on them. And there will be multiple strikes on that because every time this meat cleaver is brought down, you essentially scratch that bone. You cut a little channel that's actually, if you look at it on its long axis, is actually V-shaped all the way down. It marries up with the blade. And you'll have these multiple V-shaped strikes all the way across the bone. And those can be married up to the meat cleaver. But the problem here is this. The mother is saying she's missing the meat cleaver. They don't have that at the time of this recording to marry those two things up and compare them. What we do know is that we have a body that is absent its head. There's a high probability that there are tool marks on what remains of the neck that could be married up. We have what appears to be perhaps an attempted cleanup at a crime scene. And at this point, at this time of the recording, we have only an accused person. I'm Joseph Scott Morgan, and this is Body Bags. This show is sponsored by BetterHelp. It's a simple truth. No matter who you are, Mental health challenges can affect you, and how you manage them can make all the difference. That's why everyone should have access to mental health support that meets them where they are and helps them get through. BetterHelp provides online therapy on your schedule. It's flexible, simple to use, and more affordable than in-person therapy. Connect with a licensed therapist selected just for you. Learn more at BetterHelp.com. That's BetterHelp.com. 